0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John, and on this episode, I'm joined by two of my friends, two of my longtime friends. This is the first time that we have actually done an episode together, so we're going to go around the table. And you can introduce yourself, starting with this guy.
1: John and Andy, my goon companions. It is I, Steve. Steve of this podcast. You may have, <laughs> you may know me from such podcasts as Steve Recommends Video Games, or Steve Pits Horror Movie Villains Against mm-hmm. Each Other
0: with John. Yep. Yeah, that was the last time Steve was on, was the horror villain showdown. Uh, so he has now gotten some sleep and some rest and is not terrified, uh, <laughs> as he was that week. That was a fun one it was and next
2: hi this is uh dr andy here um <laughs> back again haven't been back to prison or indeed <laughs> gone back on the bo- bottle on the
0: bottle good i'm glad that you and, are and, and clean it's sober. nice to
2: know that, that me and steve are not one in the same person we can talk at the same time and and mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I couldn't fake steve's accent Not really for
0: couldn't. for those of you who are wondering if i just sit in the studio by myself with sock puppets and i'm really good at ventriloquy that is not the case yeah So I am actually joined by these two. Uh, So thank you guys for both uh, coming down here. And this week's topic is going to be something that it happens every now and then in various forms of media. Something comes out and it is either immediately, critically panned by the critics, by the people who saw it, watched it, listened to it, or it came out, it did great, and then over time people were like... Yeah, that was real bad. So the episode title for this, instead of hashtag no shave November, is going to be no shame November. So these are going to be pieces of media that over the years, the three of us have been exposed to (laughs) that we might have been ridiculed at some point. You might be ridiculed on this very podcast, depending on what you chose, but we take no shame in it for whatever reason we like these things that we're going to be talking about even though they might not be the most critically acclaimed so does that about sum it up
2: I, I think we might have some slightly different angles on, yes. on some <laughs> of the different things so this was a challenge you, mm-hmm. you posed
1: this idea to us And I personally thought it was a great idea. And then I had to figure out what my topics were going to be. And (laughs) I would find something. like, oh, yeah, people don't really like this. This is underappreciated. And then I would look it up on Rotten Tomatoes or, uh, you know, one of these music sites. And I would notice, hey, a lot of people actually do like this. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to my take on it is underappreciated as not. A really great piece of media. How come everybody doesn't laud this as a really, really cornerstone of its media?
2: I'm yeah. just, just going to have to explain every single one, because each one <laughs> seems to have a slightly different um, need for explanation.
0: Which totally makes sense, because, and Steve and I talked about that before you came over, Andy, that we have, I have a feeling you're going to have some deep cuts, and so in any of these, if they need to be explained to the audience, or to the people sitting at this very table... You know, we can go into that. We can talk about three things, basically what this piece of media is, why we like this piece of media and why, if we know, why was it critically or otherwise panned? So with those three things in mind, before we get into the episode, Steve, you have a couple recommendations for some movies. We can go into that before before we go into the actual episode topic if you want to.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. There was a movie I saw really recently called Don't Breathe. Have you seen Don't Breathe? I did see Don't Breathe. Let me just give you the gist. There's a couple of young robbers in Detroit. They decide to target a blind veteran, Mm -hmm. and they may have gotten themselves into more than they bargained for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the director of this is going to be a really uh, talented guy who's going to go on to a lot of fame and fortune because uh, it was just really well done, a thriller, unique take on things and uh good cinematography really brilliant one
0: yeah it was it was interesting Stephen lang was was the the blind person in that i did like that movie it was interesting that it was kind of another one of those where this group of people this group of young people that are doing this thing there were a couple of times when i'm like have you never seen a horror movie have you never seen a thriller like why are you doing this thing but that makes it, it definitely it was unique and so yeah i like that recommendation.
1: And the other one is Predestination. Have you guys seen Predestination? Yes. It's a sci-fi movie. It has Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. There's another one that looks very similar in the poster with Johnny Depp. Don't see that one. I won't even mention the name to confuse people. Okay. But but Predestination involves Mm -hmm. a time-traveling agent. Normally in time-traveling movies, you're not supposed to meet yourself. This takes that idea and destroys it. I can't say Mm -hmm. anything more because it'll break it'll break your enjoyment as well
2: i i thought it was perhaps a little bit convoluted i mean i think you need to see it twice
0: yeah it was definitely a movie that had some really great ideas i'm not sure if it executed all of them as well as some of the other concepts it had but overall i mean because of how unique it was it i would recommend it just because it it messes with your head absolutely in in a really fun and interesting way that,
2: yeah. that's almost an episode in itself though John about whether or not it was really a unique because I think we could go through a lot of time travel movies mm-hmm. to, start, to say hey it kind of takes a little bit from oh, this yeah. or it takes a little bit from that so yeah. however I have a movie that I also saw quite recently that oh, yeah. I would uh, I think was quite unique and that was Hunt for the Wilder People it's yes. a, a New Zealand movie um, it's out just now uh, stars uh, Sam Neill and some people that nobody else knows <laughs> about possibly um, was that I, the one directed by Taika Waititi that is correct mm-hmm. yes who also shows up in a, in a little uh, quite amusing cameo it's a, it's, a, it's a very funny movie it's touching without being too um, weepy or, or <laughs> soft edged mm-hmm. um, and I, I love Sam Neill he's been uh done some really great yep. stuff including one of my lost in the past um i don't know anybody who's ever seen this movie a death in brunswick um yeah hmm. it's uh, negative nope <laughs> Yep. so go and see help for the world of people if you can it's great
0: yeah excellent well now the recommendation section is over <laughs> and if i may tease your listeners a little bit oh, sure. if sure you uh listen all the way through
1: to the end of this fantastic episode you will learn how you can take a short survey to make yourself eligible for a $40 Amazon gift card. It's a little project I'm working on. I need your guys' input, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the show.
0: Absolutely. And for those of you who listen to the Horror Villain Showdown where Steve had a bunch of fake advertisers and sponsors, (laughs) this one is real. So, yeah, definitely pay attention to that. We will talk about that at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. All right. So with this episode, with no shame, November who wants to tee it off? Who wants to start with their first piece of media that they feel is underappreciated, was critically panned, but you still like it, and the voting, I, I, All right, it goes to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I think people are getting the wrong end of things and think maybe I'm going to bring out some really obscure stuff, but I'm, I mean, actually, most of my stuff, I've, I try to be not too obscure, mm-hmm. except if you are under... Forty, uh, or you never lived in England. Um, <laughs> Wait, so all <laughs> so <told> of us, <laughs> <laughs> and indeed uh, the listeners, but we're um, ready to be schooled On which, okay. Get. So here, you know, on about to review. I don't think uh, I can't remember if I've done anything other than mm-hmm. um, movies. So it, this is this is new. This is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So the the first of my three things is a uh, a musical combo, and uh, to start off with, uh, this is a this is not something that was necessary. I mean, this is a band who had a very high profile for a period of time and were critically acclaimed for a period of time. They have they have had a uh, a number one hit. Okay, um, but they they the band that when someone asks me, "Oh, so what kind of music do you like, Andy?" I'll say, "Oh, I like this and like this." And I will not say this band's name unless I, I know this person pretty well and mm-hmm. I, f- I figure that I c- it's okay to say this <laughs> to them, you know, because I I, I don't necessarily have a, a 10 minutes to explain yep. why I should like this band. Which I
0: think, before you go into it, I think that is another important thing as we talk about this, that <laughs> as silly as it might sound, sometimes you need that buffer. Sometimes you need that almost like safe space of recognizing all right, this movie, this TV show, this album might go badly. Like, this conversation could just dead stop right here. So you have to kind of gauge where you are with that person sometimes. So I'm very interested to see what this band is.
2: Well, the the, the great thing uh, is that, with the exception of you two, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to meet any of the people who know this now. Okay. okay. So the band is... Not sure what that (laughs) means, but all right. Okay, I'm going to say the word. (laughs) Okay, so the band is, yes ah yes Okay. Uh, now again like I said they were in the 1970s very very popular they were never the biggest band in the world but Mm -hmm. they you know they had number one hit and stuff and here's the thing is that they they, most people only nowadays only really remember them for um, Owner of a Lonely Heart which was their I think only number one single in the United States it came from an album uh, called 90125 in 1983 Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a period of time in Yes's history by which time I had uh I mean sort of I didn't like this music. This was the music <laughs> I did not like this this number one hit. I didn't like it because it was not the stuff which is the classic kind of yes sound which is progressive rock. Now, I was gonna say, was
0: that what time period of Andy's life was this?
2: Was this the the punk stage? Was this the proto punk? Well no, this is a thing. This 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 happened at the same time as me. Kind of getting into the punk sound. So okay. here, you know, it, it was it was a very bipolar sort of moment for me. I'm, I'm liking sort of like this short, this aggressive, um, rhythmic kind of stuff that just, you just get out there and you dance and you smack people around and stuff like that. <laughs> but then, you know, I'd go home from a show and I, you know, I want to like mellow out with 20 minute concept songs, you know. <laughs> okay. Which is. Is that what Yes is? A lot yeah. of times. Okay, okay. so they, they were formed in 1968. Mm -hmm. And they had kind of like a a light psychedelic sound, like um, a bit like the birds, traffic cream, um, maybe a little bit um, Beatles, Sergeant Pepper sort of era. They had some of that going on. Um, but by 1971 um, they'd really taken on this progressive rock sound. Now what is progressive rock? it's just it's kind of like a um, uh, an intellectuals um, approach to rock music, which is why it, you know by the punk era in 1976 mm-hmm. things were being panned because there was way too much of this noodling, there was way too much introspection yeah. and self-importance, and oh, look at how how many riffs and how many chords and how many notes I can <laughs> play in five seconds kind of mm-hmm. thing that was going on that was number one number two was um excessively long songs you know you'd have songs which took up uh, like 10 minutes 15 minutes one of the classics that i think of right away when people think of
0: overblown songs that go on way too long anna got a uh, no, that was my first thought. The sure, short yeah,
2: version is like 12 minutes long. It's it's stairway right. to Heaven, another. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yes was kind of like the acme of that. They, <laughs> in 1973, came out with an album called Tales from Topographic Oceans. It was a double album mm. which consisted of four songs. Oh my gosh. So, you had almost <laughs> 80 minutes of music in four songs. And it was about. Uh, It was the the lead singer's interpretation of a Shastric scripture, or or somebody had Hmm. written a Shastric scripture. What is Shastric? Uh, It's an Indian mystic kind of uh, uh, thing. Um, Okay. Philosophy. Religion. I mean, I knew that just for the listeners. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Raise if you believed him for a second. Is. Let me look at <laughs> the studio audience. <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. So, I mean, this, this again, this was the acne of progressive rock. This was the acne of self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. But I loved that album. I love mm. that album. I, I mean, sort of, I could lie down in the dark and switch on all 80 minutes and just listen to it in the dark with... Not doing anything else as this before
0: or after you cry yourself to sleep at night because you're in the dark, just (laughs) listening to an 80-minute album.
2: No shame, John. No (sighs) shame. Okay, Mm. all right. Just, just back off. When I said this is a safe space, I meant in the world, not in the studio. For you and Steve, (laughs) not for Andy. Right. So, anyway, yes. Yes. So, um, terribly self-indulgent, very complex at times. Um, Most people are not going to like it because it's just it is too much it's mm-hmm. it's not a 5 minute ditty or anything else like that um so take but it or leave
0: it within those four songs were there enough melodies or things that were repetitive enough to make it memorable or is it more the experience overall
2: well again this was this was kind of like rock music as it approached um the classical orchestral kind of thing so you know there are themes okay. but most uh, uh, mostly the themes you might get a little bit of rep- repetition as you do but then it moves away into a new movement and then it moves from that gotcha. into a new movement more of a
0: classical composition as opposed to a rock concept right. i mean you don't okay.
2: necessarily come circle back round to the original um sort of like riff or movement at any point in time hmm.
0: interesting okay. Listen, to,
2: listen to, i mean give it give it a chance if you want to, I'm. I mean, this is the, again. This is the kind of thing that I don't push on people because I know it's mm-hmm. not going to be everybody's cup of tea.
1: Absolutely. Did they have a really amazing drummer?
2: Yes. Um, they had something a, about the drummer. Well, that's the things that they had um, uh, a lot of amazing musicians. Um, two really good drummers, Alan White and Bill Bruford. They also had, uh, or and indeed have. um um, uh, one of the best guitarists in the world Steve Howe uh, in mm. various points in time in the 1970s he was named best guitarist in the world by um, guitar magazine and stuff like that so he they had they definitely Dance had their chops. chops yeah they had
0: their chops nice I like it way That's to start sweet. us off I like that because again as Stephen and I suggested before and we were like I was, I was really interested to see what Andy would come up with and so nice I like it what do you think, Steve? Do you want to, do you want to go next? I I I'll go? go next, yeah. All right. Since
1: Andy led with music, I'll lead with my music pick. Nice. When you think of Fiona Apple, what do you think of Fiona Apple? What's the file card in your mind on the Fiona f- Apple? First thing I think of is the cassette title
0: that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Pawn, etc. cetera. Yeah, I mean, that was, I definitely remember listening to it a lot. She was, man, kind of the pre Alanis Morris set, pre Tori Amos. Kind of sappy, like, but
2: storytelling mm-hmm.
0: is what I think of. I think of storytelling with Fiona Apple. What was what you was for, she pre Tori Amos? I think I she think was so. around the same time. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, she's around the same time. I,
2: you know, honestly, I. I know I listened to some of her stuff when it was on the radio, but for the life of me, I couldn't name a single Fiona. Shadow Boxer,
0: Shadow Boxer, yeah, and Criminal were the big ones. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: I think people have a file card on Fiona Apple, uh, and this is normal. I mean, everybody has file cards about all kinds of different topics. But uh, after her first album title, which was a huge hit and mm-hmm. was on all the alternative rock stations, she was sort of known for having a short temper. In 2000, <laughs> she uh, stormed off the stage after 40 minutes because oh, there yeah. were a lot of. Um, Uh, Production problems and she was apologizing for the sound and so forth. So she was the pre Kanye West? I suppose (laughs) (laughs) after 20 minutes. (laughs) Topical reference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, people talk about how she was really thin in that video and stuff. Which is really a shame because she is an incredible musician, Mm -hmm. and the three albums that followed title uh are really incredible, and that's my recommendation. So you mentioned that one album with the really long title. It's called it's known by most people as When the Pawn, but it goes right. on for a long and that's a little pretentious. I mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, she wrote that in response to people uh criticizing her for other things, and of course then they criticize her for the title. Uh but once you get past that and you really listen to really the dynamics of her mm-hmm. music, you I think you will Change your mind and forget about all that stuff I think luckily for, for Fiona Apple, she never uh, became a subject of tabloids uh, for whatever yeah. reason they left her alone after that after being stormed off the sta- after her storming off the stage and after uh, when the pond being kind of a pretentious thing but um, the thing I really love about her is she uses uh, lots of signature changes, lots of key changes, mm-hmm. all kinds of different unexpected uh, Pianos and different instruments, and she
0: played quite a few of the instruments on title, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and she teamed up with
1: uh, John Bryan, who's a really good uh, composer and and producer. Her third album, "Extraordinary Machine," which I think is the best of the four, it was her and John Bryan, so they mm-hmm. teamed up a second time, and the MP3s of it got leaked, and hmm. uh. They weren't going to release it, but her fans staged a protest that, that they should release it. Uh, the fans they, who most likely had already downloaded the MP3s, <laughs> probably yeah. But they were um, going to her record label and saying, "Don't cancel this project," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As it turns out, apparently uh, Fiona Apple just wasn't happy with the way it was made, so she re-recorded everything with another wow. producer. And I'm really glad she did because it is uh, complex and beautiful and rhythmic and just uh, hmm. really amazing. A lot of people don't know that she did a couple songs with Johnny Cash on those uh, albums where he, uh, what was it called? The Man? I forget the name of it. But she, he recorded with Trent Reznor
0: of Nine Inch Nails. Oh, his last album? when it was The one that was all covers? He
1: had four of them. He had four different albums uh, oh. that he recorded with modern artists. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And uh, so she did that. She did a couple Beatles songs that it has a really good video that goes with it. That was for the movie Pleasantville, which, is, in my opinion, is also underrated, mm. but we won't go into that. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I like how after I, after I say, no shame, and then they look at each other with Pleasantville, like, mm.
1: <laughs> So she sings a lot about men. She mm-hmm. sings a lot Heartbreak. about you know, finding, finding uh, uh, the better part of her and so forth, but... Uh, it's very poetic, and there's a lot of internal rhyming. I mean, I would put her up against Stephen Sondheim for internal rhymes. She Interesting. is a really good writer and really incredible.
0: Now, and what about now? When did because Andy spoke about like when that hit him? Like when that album with Yes, you know, kind of hit him with Fiona Apple. Did it hit you at a certain time in your life where it meant more, or is it something where when you saw those new albums coming out and you're like, oh, I, I kind of remember Fiona Apple. Like, what, what did it mean to you at that time? That's
1: a good question. It's more the second one, where I okay. say, well, you know, I, maybe I heard it on the radio or something mm-hmm. like that. And I said, yeah, whatever happened to Fiona Apple? And I checked it out. Uh, she did, for a long time, date P.T. Anderson, who's one of my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. And he directed a couple of her uh, music videos. Okay. And uh, John Bryan worked with him. So they. it's kind of an incestuous... Uh, mm-hmm. group there <laughs> P.T. Yeah. Anderson and Apple and John Bryan and so forth but uh, for whatever reason it created some good art okay. it was around the time of Magnolia and uh, there will be which again this is, one.
0: is one of your favorite movies yeah yeah.
1: yeah. I considered doing that one but uh,
0: but I decided <laughs> against it just because it's so <laughs> close to me right. but anyway okay uh, yeah Fiona Apple check it nice. out so you both had a music even though this was my idea for the episode uh, I I did not do a music one. Um, I thought about it. There were a couple of ones that kind of came to mind, but I was like, you know, how about I how about I just do a couple of movies? I have a TV show also that I will throw in there. So mine are going, my first one is a movie from 1997. Now imagine if you will, a post, not not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but a fascist government where...
2: The oh, people, I know where this is going. Maybe
0: the people in this uh, world—you can either be a citizen or a soldier, or a citizen. Oh man, I can't remember which one they were. Um, citizen or civilian? So this movie is a sci-fi epic, 1997 Starship Troopers. <laughs> I saw this movie in the theater when it came out uh, with my dad. And this movie, to kind of give you, you know, a brief rundown of kind of what it is. First, it was directed by Paul Verhoeven and written by Edward Neumeyer. Now, Paul Verhoeven directed 80s gold. Things like RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct. He then went on to do Showgirls, which was terrible. Edward Neumeyer, who he worked with on this, also wrote RoboCop. Like one, two, three. He wrote for the video games. He wrote a lot of Starship Troopers, which they did sequels for. So coming off of that, like people are like, this director has nailed '80s action. 1987. He is going to have special effects. It is going to be great. And boy, did it not work. Uh, but when I saw this, it it was almost the perfect type of movie for an adolescent young man. It had crazy sci-fi elements, crazy action. It has a co-ed shower scene, which, of course, those of us who were teenage boys around that time were teenage girls, you know, that that stuck out. And so I was like, this movie has everything that I'm looking for in a movie. Uh, But it just very loosely is based on the Robert Heinlein book of the same name, Starship Troopers. But here's a little funny thing. When Paul Verhoeven was originally doing this, the original title was like Bug Out on Planet Nine or something ridiculous. And then they started seeing some connections between this and Starship Troopers that got brought to Paul's attention, Paul Verhoeven, and he was like, huh. So he started reading the book and did not finish it because it was too boring. So he had Edward Neumeier, the writer, be like, just tell me about this book. And that was all I knew about the original book by Robert Heinlein of Starship Troopers. And it just, you can tell. Like, this is only Starship Troopers by name. Some of the characters are the same, like Johnny Rico, played by Casper Van Dien. You have Denise Richards in here. It just, it is a bizarre film. But, that being said, this movie won, or not won, it was nominated for an Academy Award in 1997 for best visual effects.
2: Yeah, the aliens are incredible. Yeah, the I Iraq think the, 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 the effects were, were pretty good for the time, yeah.
0: And unfortunately, it lost, because uh, 1997 was a monster year. That was the year that Titanic uh, was in the Oscars and won everything. just about everything. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World was also up for visual effects. Neil Patrick Harris is in this. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris. But it just... One of the reasons that this was panned is because they wanted more of this than they had. Like, the, the developers, the studio, they were like, this is going to be the next big thing and did not have enough to really back it up. I and mean, the story is super cheesy. The dialogue is painful it's, that's, <laughs> at times.
2: Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh,
0: but one of the reasons that it was panned is that of a $105 million budget, take a guess plus or minus did this make over 50 million domestically
2: plus minus 54 million <laughs> no,
0: just domestically and overall including foreign markets 120 million so it made its money back but oh is it a stretch <laughs> uh-huh. so just but yeah Steve, do you remember this movie when it came out i do i think i saw it in the theater
1: actually i know i saw it in the theater yeah Uh, I remember liking it, but I was a kid as well, and, you know, really into that kind of stuff. Um, But Paul Verhoeven is known for satire. I mean, this is a Mm -hmm. bit of a satire about military uh, Mm -hmm. life, uh, right-wing fascist military approaches, uh, and I think that's what a lot of people missed. I mean, maybe Paul Verhoeven should have made it a little more obvious or something. But I mean, and there he are did, those. <laughs> you know, I think he really likes doing those commercials that you see in the background. Oh, yeah. And Do you want to know more? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that was essentially the scene breaks in mm-hmm. uh, Starship Trooper or act breaks. And he also did that for Robocop. Mm-hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar, that whole thing. Yep. Uh, which is a comment on consumerism and so forth. So I think if you view it through that lens, it makes more sense and is a better movie. The thing is,
2: though, that you you can't just throw in those like 10-second ads mm-hmm. into an otherwise, as you say, really incredibly cheesy movie and make it, hey, it was a satire.
0: Yeah, Post uh. after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially so, with a name like Starship Troopers, which carried with it some Robert Heinlein connotation, which people who have read Starship Troopers and I have, it, the book is dense. The book is not a crazy action sci-fi adventure with guns and all of that. It is a deep look into a military life and a fascist government. They talk about being in these mechs, these mech suits, which they only did in the third, yes, third Starship Troopers movie. There have been four total. Mm. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm people kind of going into it being like oh starship troopers robert Heinlein, this is going to be great again maybe not realizing how much satire it was going to be but this this is another movie where i only talk about this movie sometimes because again certain people are going to be like oh that movie is terrible mm-hmm. and yeah. i kind of get that I'm, but at the same time grateful. i will watch this movie almost any day I, I love it yeah i wonder if the studio
1: and paul Rohoven we're at odds there. You know the studio <laughs> probably wanted a shoot 'em up, bang, you know, fast action movie, mm-hmm. and Which maybe they got. he wanted to. Maybe he wanted to have more things, but the artist is dead. All we have is the image before us, and that's all we can go off of. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it needs to stand on its own, and I, I agree it doesn't. But why do you like it? I, I mean, like it when you watch it today,
0: do you enjoy watching? Oh, it? Oh, absolutely. I like it today. A because of that nostalgia. It just it hit me at the right age. It had all of the things that at that time I was looking for in a movie. That was before I kind of started to try out, you know, more art house films and delve deeper into cinema. I was a teenager and I was like, this movie has action. It takes place in space. A lot of it has great visual effects. Again, those arachnids still hold up for the most part. And so it just, and of course, co showers. I, I would be remiss in not talking about that because again, unfortunately, that is one of the things that people really remember about this movie. So these days when i watch it, it just it gives me that little feeling inside of being like, "Oh, i remember this." So and i like it. the other sequels made me wish i did not like this one as much as i do cuz they were real real bad. Casper Van Dien returned for the third one and that was supposed to be a big deal. It was not. It was it was super preachy. Uh, all of the mexus had big crosses on them. Oh. It was, it was pretty over the top. Yeah. But. Denise Richards was formative for a young Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Until well, I saw her in that Bond movie where she was so ooh, terrible. It was Dino that Diana the
0: Day? I forget. But yeah, that was, that was okay. rough. Yeah. yeah. Let's not speak of it. Yeah. Cool. So that, that was my movie. Going back around the table. Andy, what
2: is next? Okay. Um, so the next thing is uh, a couple of TV shows. Okay. Um, which, again, they, these are actually much loved uh, shows in England. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're the kind of thing that, you know, sort of uh, typically um, an adult male doesn't say, I really like those. If you shows.
0: say, Are you being served? I am going to reach across this table and rip your microphone out of
2: the sand. Uh, no. Okay. Happily, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you that that oh. was pretty rough that yeah. show <laughs> anyway no so um, the the ones I am um, talking about are uh, two stop motion animation uh, shows for hmm. young children Okay, uh, that were made in um, well one were the, was made to 1972 and the other one was just made in 1974 the first one um, I can going to say just made in 1974 <laughs> <laughs> yeah was um, The first one, uh, the one from 16972, is called The Clangers, um, which um, modern-day children may actually know um, because they decided to start making a new series of them. I think it was in 2015. Wow. Rather interestingly um, done such that the narrator in the English version is Michael Palin, and they have a separate narrator for the uh, North American version, which is William Shatner. Okay. Why they think that American kids cannot understand Michael Palin? I don't know, but I wonder if that is the same thing. Do you remember with Planet Earth? Uh, Stephen Fry, no, uh,
0: Attenborough did the BBC release mm-hmm. uh, Planet Earth. Sigourney Weaver did the one here.
2: Yeah, I mean David Attenborough's fantastic. Is not that difficult to understand? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not talking about the 2015. I'm talking about the 1969 to 72. Mm-hmm. Clangers. It's um, it's just it's. I find it a very touching thing it's uh, essentially these knitted mouse aardvark type uh, creatures living on a small planet far out in space Um, it's kind of like it has some ecological kind of overtones despite the fact that it takes place on a completely barren planet like a moon would be Um, it's just really kind of cute and stuff Um, it's a reminder of, of You know innocence in childhood, and it's Hmm. simple and effective, and the stories are are quite amusing. Um, And the second one uh, I'm talking about is a show called Bagpuss, which is perhaps even more beloved of um, people who. And this is the one that that
0: just came out in 1974. No, I didn't say
2: just came out in 1974. (laughs) It was only only made in 1974 it was it was incredibly mm. popular but for okay. some reason or other they only ever made like, essentially one uh, series i don't think it was called maybe, it like bagpuss bagpuss yes um it it's it's one of those things you kind of have to to watch to appreciate and maybe if you only see <laughs> it as an adult you're not going to be able to appreciate it.
0: okay so i just pulled up <laughs> on the google later some imagery of bagpuss wow yeah. Um, what it does remind me of, right off the bat, and Steve maybe since this is our generation, reminds me of Fraggle Rock, reminds mm-hmm. me of the dog from Fraggle Rock.
2: Mm. Uh, yeah, I think mean, yeah, Clangers,
0: yeah. I, I pulled up a little clip of Clangers as well, just to get
1: familiar with it. That looks more like Fraggle Rock to me. Mm. With the mice? <clears throat> yeah, because this is animated. Uh, Bagpuss is animated, right? Yeah. Again, mm. it's, it's oh, mostly okay. stop motion. Um, well, Bagpuss is stop stop motion animation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's traditional 2D. Yeah. No.
2: No, no. It looks oh, like am I I wrong? It,
1: yeah, looks like it is. Yeah, it stopped. Yeah, it's stopped stop oh, oh, I see. Oh, okay. I was at a wrong <sighs> spot. Okay, go ahead. Jeez.
2: This is why <laughs> you shouldn't watch things while we're recording. <laughs> 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 it's so distracting. So I mean, and the, the, there's a there's a link between them. Is they're basically made by the same company with the the, the same guy Oliver Postgate as the uh, primary creator. Um, these are just really fantastic little shows um again it, 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 unless you 're of a certain mind or you can turn your brain back to childhood to appreciate mm-hmm. simplicity, yep. sweet stories, and stuff um you may not get it but it 's there are still um even even if, they, if there wasn't a new Clangers, there are still sort of like things from the Clangers which come up in popular culture uh, quite frequently and stuff. I mean, there was a band called the Soup Dragons who took their name from one of the characters in the Clangers. And if you ask anybody in England, you know, sort of or, or quote the end phrase that comes from Bagpus, they, they will know what it is. And, and they, that
0: phrase is...
2: Well, it's it's quite. A, well, I mean, it kind of, somewhere it goes to uh, like even Bagpuss himself. Once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat, baggy and a little loose at the seams. But Emily loved him, and you Aww. know, it's just like, oh, if you if you don't melt a little, just that tiny little bit, you don't have a heart. Okay. So, was
0: this Bagpuss? Was it like a velveteen rabbit type thing, where this character was a was a stuffed animal, but then had its own. When the girl was not essentially around. I mean
2: the, the, the kernel of the the theme was that um, the little girl had a lost and found store she would find something she would bring uh. it to this store and then when there were no humans around bagpus would wake up he yawned of course um, <laughs> and all the the stuffed animals or the, the wooden creatures would come alive they would wonder where this object came from if it was broken they would mend it and they would put it in the window for whoever lost it to find it and then they would go back to sleep again and be inanimate objects once again
0: so very much a pre-toy story type of thing
2: well that's funny yeah that's what i thought i think this was really kind of novel because oh there was toy story that Mm -hmm. came after that by you know 20 30 years so (laughs) yeah yeah so there there you go or pet
0: cemetery
1: (laughs) you know you can correlate those two (laughs) Did you show your daughter either of these uh, growing up?
2: Yeah, yeah. And what she, was her take on it? Yeah, she really liked them. She I was mean, growing up here in the
1: states. Th- yes, <laughs> yep,
2: yeah. And that's the thing is that they, they they are not some some TV shows are very very dated, mm-hmm. like Are You Being Served, for instance. Yes,
0: oh, terribly painful. Terribly
2: ah, but but this one is one of those ones which which can last. You know, you could I think you could play it to any kid in any generation from the 1970s to now, and and hopefully long. You know uh, after that i mean the, the i haven't watched the new clangers but i think it's essentially the same idea that they're playing and it, it works it works well i think nice i think they made a brilliant move
1: by not giving the clangers any mouths <laughs> because they don't have to <laughs> animate <at> the mouths
2: <laughs> they make they make a whistling kind of sound <laughs> oh, is what the clangers okay. make oh
0: okay well it, it reminds me almost like with wallace and gromit yeah. everything was exaggerated so if you did need to dub it in different languages you could
2: mm.
0: wouldn't that make it harder well, because they are so exaggerated, it might make it so that they could... They were not enunciating everything. Oh. Um, now that reminds me also of... There's something else that was a commercial. Well, like the Red Bull commercials. Uh-huh. The Red Bull commercials oh, yeah. are dubbed into every language. And yeah. the animation is really loose. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. you can just kind of tie in mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cool. So, bagpuss and clangers. Oh, and then for all of these, um, I will put in the show notes... Links to some of these or to most of them because, like with Steve and I, I, I had no idea what these were, but now that I see it, I, I kind of I want to know more about it. So, mm-hmm. I will put some show notes together and at the bottom. So, next up. Well, you may know, John, I'm a fan of
1: the reality TV show Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Sorry, I fell asleep <laughs> real quick. But, you know, it's the only reality show that I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Amazing Race. I get annoyed at how ignorant the Americans are when they're traveling. Mhm. They get the card about where they're going to go next and I'd say ninety five percent of the time mispronounce horribly everything. Weiamo <laughs>
0: <laughs> s Brian,
1: just like oh gosh, yeah. Oh, we're going to Bali- Bolivia. Where is Bolivia? <laughs> it's like it's an easy one. You screwed it yeah. up. I thought this was no shame November. Now I'm talking about Survivor, and you you <laughs> give me a snort. But here's the thing: I'm not recommending Survivor as my un- because it's extremely popular. It's it's oh, like yeah. twelve okay. million season now. True. I am recommending a show that I thought very few people had heard of until Wikipedia told me that the finale had three point four million viewers. That is a lot. It mm. is the Joe Schmo Show, which was on Spike uh, TV yeah, yeah. in two thousand three.
0: That was not Spike. I've TV. Never heard of it. That was one of the rollout shows for Spike TV when it was first coming out. Uh, around the same time, like Blade, the TV show uh, was like trying to build up Spike. Uh, the other was on Ultimate Fighter. So, like, yeah, Spike TV in its adolescence, mm-hmm. in its youth. Okay. So, you know the basic concept of
1: Survivor and Big Brother. You have a group of people, uh, usually different archetypes or different personalities, and you slam them together and you give them various challenges. And at the end of every show, they vote somebody out.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
1: this show took that and twisted it. Everybody that's in the house is an actor except one. He's the Joe Schmo so they did a call for uh normal people send in your tape (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you can be on this new reality show called lap of luxury and they selected the most earnest kindest uh he's kind of a bro he's kind of not a stoner but he probably (laughs) smokes a little bit of weed right uh and he's just the most honest earnest guy and his real name was not joe schmoe it was matt kennedy gould and uh The other people in the show were the Rich Bitch, the Buddy, the Gay Guy, the Veteran, the Schemer, the Virgin, the Quack Marriage Counselor, played by Kristen Wiig prior to SNL, Uh, the Mm A-Hole, played by David Hornsby, who, if you've watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia, is Rickety Cricket. The priest uh, that they oh you should see that that okay. show but anyway David Hornsby he went on he's yeah the a hole and he certainly was in this and it was hosted by Ralph Garman who is right mm-hmm. marginally famous yeah and he's perfect well, Mar- as the
0: smartie host Ralph Garman to his own credit refers to himself as a Z grade celebrity he yeah. has a weekly show with Kevin Smith uh, Hollywood Babylon he has a week uh, radio show daily in L A but yeah okay. he's he's really funny so.
1: The concept of the show was, we're, we're going to have all these actors, they're going to play these roles 100% of the time, and uh, this guy, Joe Schmo. we're going to sort of write him through these different, you know, we're going to write the script, essentially, but there's a lot of improv, because you never know what he's going to say. Uh, hmm. But everybody has to be in character, and we'll do these crazy challenges, one of which involves Ra- Ralph Garman being in a B-suit, and he's, like, not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and they're covered in honey, and they do all this other stuff, but it's it's basically a spoof of reality shows that turned uh, so earnest that these actors in their fake interviews, mm-hmm. where you know they're the talking diary to the audience type thing, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They're talking to the audience about their experience as an actor doing this. You know, I mean, they're not talking to the audience in their interviews in character. Obviously, the audience is in on the hoax, right? Um. So Kristen Wiig, in one of the challenges, is in this giant sumo suit, and she has the sumo helmet on Mm -hmm. that looks like hair. And uh, one of the other actors gets a little bit uh, rambunctious and hits her too hard with his big belly, and she has a real-life head injury during it. Hmm. And she goes to the hospital. like That was not planned, obviously. She had a real head injury. The next day, uh, Matt Gould, Joe Schmo, gives the prize that he won to this character that Kristen Wiig is playing like he gives it away because he felt so bad for her to do it hmm. uh, also the buddy whose job it was to become friends with Joe Schmo uh, they become actually very close and at the end when it's revealed to Matt that all of this was a big hoax he's absolutely the crushed to the ground. <laughs> well, he's absolutely crushed that this guy was an actor and not really his friend even though on some level they became friends yeah. even though he became friends with the character um But there's just a lot of brilliant touches. At the end of each episode, there's a a plate, a China plate, that has their name on it. And when they're... Asked to leave, uh, they say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and they say the name of the person, and they throw they throw the plate into the fire and say you're dead to us. Wow.
2: <laughs> well, the a-hole over
1: dramatic. Yeah, the a-hole uh, gets ev- evicted in the I don't know third to last one, and then he comes back on a technicality. Okay, this is part of the writing, right. but they t- they took his smashed plate and taped it back together <laughs> and they put it up there. So it's not just the hoax. Like they put all these really little touches that are spoofing uh reality shows and it's really worth a watch they did two other versions after that one that was sort of spoofing the bachelor where there's a couple there's a man and a woman that are not in on it and the rest of the people are actors and it's sort of a love connection type of thing
2: uh and the third one that was kind of a bounty hunter one neither of those were as good as the first question steve um time wise where did this come compared to the truman show Oh, Ooh. that's a good question. Yeah. If
1: you give me just a minute, I can look somebody it
2: up in Google later. Because
0: I definitely... I mean, yeah, it, it is not a... I will say not a... Again, like we were talking about before, not a unique concept. It You know, that kind of plays on a few other things. Mm-hmm. But the way they did it sounds interesting. Right. Whereas Truman Show... I, Truman Show is one of those movies that when it came out, I was like... I like the concept more than I like the movie. Because if I'm sitting at the breakfast table and... You know, the wife and kids are there, and she was holding up a box of cereal talking to something, and he just kind of goes along. Like, the, the cognitive dissonance, the but willing if suspension. Never, if you've
2: never know, uh, known anything different, how would you know that that's not how people act?
0: True. Yeah. But it was just that, that willing suspension of disbelief was was kind of the, the hang up. From you just specifically with truman show as opposed to starship troopers where there was no willing suspension of disbelief that was a documentary uh so you know yeah truman show was in 1998 mm-hmm. joe schmo was 2003
2: Ooh. so it was, it was after very close yep close.
1: Mm-hmm. interesting and i don't remember if you could watch it on the web it probably wasn't the right time for that you know but 2003 you know big big brother now apparently you can watch mm. it on the web 24 hours a day oh really uh, like they have live cam pretty sure yeah pretty sure Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't like Big Brother at all. Survivor is the only one for me. But in the meantime, everybody, please go find (laughs) the Joe has a Survivor tattoo
0: um, (laughs) on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, that is my recommendation. Hmm. And you feel no shame with that? I like it. Okay. No shame. I mean, it's a little bit trashy because it's reality TV show. Right. I should mention the prize that he was trying to win was a hundred thousand mm. okay. dollars plus a couple that they introduced so a uh, vacation to a spa and, and a plasma tv and stuff even though other people won all those prizes at the end when they revealed to him that it was all a hoax mm-hmm.
2: Did he they get gave it?
1: him all of the stuff nice. even the thing that he willingly gave away that he won he gave it away to Kristen wig's character mm. uh
0: he got that and as he well. and Kristen wig got together after married, and married happily yeah uh-huh, it's a beautiful
2: story yeah yeah Fantastic. Good job, Kristen Wiig. Uh, Steve. <laughs> I <was laughs> so, looking at John says, Steve, John. <laughs> uh-huh, yes, Andy. <laughs> yeah, what have you got? What have you got? Okay, last? so
0: my next one is another movie. And as I was doing this, because it was the fir- one of the first movies that came to mind, and it does have a similar theme <laughs> in that it is a dystopian, fascist future, similar to Starship Troopers, so... Yeah, apparently there's a theme in these movies that I like. I'm not sure why, Uh, but this film, 2002, it stars a a young Christian Bale, who has yet to become everything that we know Christian Bale to be. Back then, like people thought, like all right, they're like all right, he's pretty good. Uh, But this movie that came out is a very very loose adaptation of Fahrenheit 451. In which this future this fascist government any form of feeling self-expression creativity is outlawed and there is this kind of i guess presidential figure or leader figure called the father and his lawmen which christian bale plays are called clerics the movie is called equilibrium have either of you heard of this movie nope there's a reason for that (laughs) so 2002 uh when this trailer came out and i saw it's super slick trailer very very 2002 trailer (laughs) a lot of jump cuts uh crazy martial arts in it which were pioneered in a different kind of uh martial art form by kurt wimmer who is a writer and director of this so the martial arts in this movie are completely made up and it is called a gun kata a kata is any form of martial arts where you have a series of movements so it'd be like aikido taekwondo so in this it was gun kata so imagine and i'm going to demonstrate for you two and the listeners we'll describe <laughs> what's going on yeah. go ahead john so christian bale john's making a fool of himself kicks in do kicks, kicks <laughs> it in, in a the room, chair right
2: he's doing, the, he's doing, doing the chickens gun.
0: and just starts doing this
2: He's pointing behind his head. He's it's going like behind Senfoy, him. Like it's like a Like, he's on a plane. There's a, a 747 7 coming. Pretty much. Right, I mean, he, so he's, he's waving it in and shooting. Is just, like, shooting guns
0: behind him, behind his head, yeah. behind his back, between his legs. Like, the most ridiculous thing, but they take it so seriously. Uh-huh. So this, I was like, <laughs> this is amazing. The this box art. This is clearly
1: a... I'm um, oh, sorry. You were
0: about to say the box art. Box art. Yeah. And I think I know exactly what you're about to say. So the box art for this said... You'll forget the Matrix because this is 2002. This is exactly Matrix, what I was going to say. The Matrix craze was winding down. 2003 was when we would see the two sequels to the original Matrix. So this is 2002. This isn't that sweet spot there. Like before those movies come out, here you go, kids. Here's all their post, kind of post-apocalyptic fascist government with crazy martial arts. Here you go, and wow, it is rough. <laughs> so it starts Christian Bale. Uh, Tay Diggs, the writer-director Kurt Wimmer, uh, went on to do another classic that everybody knows of called *Ultraviolet*, starring no. Mila Jovovich. Oh, starring Mila Jovovich. God, yeah. uh, but he was also he was one of the writers for *The Thomas Crown Affair*. Uh, the Point Break remake, oh, gosh. Uh, Salt for Angelina Jolie. <laughs> so um,
2: <laughs> no. So now, John, can you tell us why? He, why this? Like no shame, funny, buddy. That. No shame. So, yeah. I mean, I'll stop laughing, exactly, right now. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is why I wanted to do this episode. <sighs> because
2: space.
0: So <expensive>, so <laughs> when I talk about these movies or this music. This is the, the typical reaction. Serenity now! And so, go. Ugh, Seinfeld reference, garbage. Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, so in the near future, there's a totalitarian, totalitarian government that regulates everything, uh, and it takes bail to break free of the government's hold and free the people. So as the lawmen, they take these drugs. I forget the name of the drug. They take it to suppress their feelings. Uh, so, at one point, he drops one of his in the morning and cannot take it. And his son, who was also kind of brainwashed, obviously brainwashed, was like, you need to report this, you need to get a replacement. And he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, kid. Goes off on his mission that day, runs into Emily Watson, who's a fantastic actress. Why she showed this movie? No idea. So during that interaction of these radicals, of these people in the underground who do have feelings and emotion and are not taking the drugs, he starts to kind of feel things. Uh, this movie also, for a brief hot second, stars Sean Bean. Try and guess what he does in this movie. Gets killed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, Sean Bean does what he does best and dies within the first, like, ten minutes. Because he was Bale's former partner, who stopped taking the drugs, started to feel things. Bale finds him reading <laughs> some poetry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it goes from there. Tom, you you still haven't said why you <laughs> like this. Okay. So... Why this matters to me, <laughs> when well, I first saw the trailer and the loose and almost non-existent ties to Fahrenheit 451, which was one of my favorite books, because in the trailer you see them, they have a Mona Lisa and they scan it and they're like, it's authentic. And Christian Bale, very stoic, says, burn it. So they torch it and everything. So there were those ties to Fahrenheit 451. So I was like, all right, you, you kind of got me. You have some crazy martial arts, which also gets me apparently fascist government also gets me excited when you say gets me
1: oh, okay Can yeah it gets, gets me
0: excited gets me for whatever reason i want to see that movie uh and i, I just i was kind of sold uh at some point you see christian bale with a katana which is awesome because i grew up watching highlander so it ah, has garbage highlander oh, amazing Amazing movie. I'm we will very, definitely I'll talk come about
2: down with Steve on that one.
0: Oh, you too. Get <laughs> out. Um, so it just it had enough in the trailer to get me excited. I missed it in the theaters because it lasted honestly maybe two weeks. So on a budget of actually it was undisclosed. They did not say how much this movie. I will say rough estimate eighty million. You know, did not have crazy special effects like Starship Troopers. So eighty million, we will say. Uh, it made domestically a whopping, staggering, one point two million dollars. Oh, wow! I mean, that is not even enough to pay. Like that barely covers cost of the catering. Actors. Yeah, <laughs> the, the craft services people <laughs> made more money. So, wow! It just it it died in the theaters. Yeah, it died very quickly. So, I actually saw it um, in Blockbuster. Rest in peace, porn porn drink out for them. In uh, Block blocks for video, I saw the box art, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that trailer. And when it said, you'll forget the Matrix, I was like, oh, try me. Uh, Did I forget the Matrix, you are asking yourselves? Absolutely not. <laughs> Even with as terrible as the later two movies are, this movie, it still exists. I still enjoy it for its sheer ridiculousness. And the gun kata is just maddening. <laughs> when he goes into a room with like 20 guards, and again, I'm doing this movement again It looks like an air traffic controller. It is amazing.
2: Hmm. I might actually have to catch this one because I have a deep respect for Christian Bale and I can't mm-hmm. think of a movie in which I didn't like him and I didn't like the movie. Ooh, so I'm yes. looking forward to seeing a movie <laughs> yes. which I, I, I think is a piece of, you know what? Yeah. And I mean, Tay Diggs was... That's the thing. Like, people in this movie
0: took it seriously. Uh-huh. This was It felt like one of those movies where they thought... Because sometimes you can tell, and Andy and I have talked about this before in other episodes, sometimes you can tell when actors are kind of just there. When they're just kind of getting a paycheck, whatever it is. Samuel L. Jackson in a lot of his movies, I love him, but you just get that feeling. This one, they, they were serious. like They really thought they were making a great movie, and man, it failed.
2: Can I just say that one film that's coming out soon that I'm a little bit concerned about, mm-hmm. because it stars someone, who, again, who I've seen in... A whole variety of different movies, and he's been fantastic in pretty much everyone. Ooh. Michael Fassbender.
0: Uh-huh. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Raise your uh, hand if you were excited for that one. I'm, wow. No, there's, one hand, my there's one
2: hand up. <laughs> I gave it the so-so. Yeah, but I'm just really, really concerned because yeah. uh, he might be cheapening his reputation. You know, yeah. some actors, they do
1: the big-budget crazy ones so that they can do the small ones. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. The critically acclaimed Steve Jobs's and so
0: forth. Yeah. So, Andy seems sold already. But no, Equilibrium, I will get you a copy of this movie. Uh, or if you want to, yeah, we'll watch it together. And you will be turning to me as I have a huge good on my face because, no <laughs> shame... Like I really look at those arms. I fly. really enjoyed this movie. It is so
2: ridiculous. Oh,
0: God. So I, I I gotta recommend it. So back around the table again.
2: That's a good one. Okay, back to me. Okay, here's, so here is the thing. Um, you know, I did the music. Mm-hmm. I did the TV. Yep. I f- struggle with film uh, in terms of any film that I have particular shame for. So I, I looked at it a, 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 a variety of, of different ways. And one of, the, one of the things that I picked up first was, um, okay, it, y- you, the listener, don't really know me, obviously. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly, shall we say... Buff. <laughs> we could definitely say that. Good looking. We will be lying, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, good looking. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not exactly a particularly gung-ho, patriotic person, shall we say. Um, no matter which government <laughs> no matter which government we're talking about so i always feel a little bit weird about watching a particular genre of films and that is war films mm, so mm-hmm. one of the ways that i could have approached this was um yeah just like pick an entire genre of movies which i feel a little bit icky enjoying i mean here's the thing is that, that sort of it's it's easier, obviously, for me to enjoy the movies which are anti-war movies, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of those. I mean, sort of, you could see Private, Saving Private Ryan as kind of slightly anti-war. You could see yeah. Gallipoli as being yeah, born on the Fourth of yeah, July. I was going to mention.
0: I was going to mention Gallipoli uprising, land and freedom. If you go, boot, if you go back to episode fourteen, Crybabies with Andy, we talk about some war movies in, mm-hmm. in that one, and Andy and I both had that same kind of feeling where we we're just like Platoon yeah we're like those, those can be great movies but and Rocky makes Andy cry every time oh Andy hates Rocky <laughs> I haven't that. seen Rocky <laughs>
2: gosh All right, sorry, but, go but ahead. at the same time I mean sort of so those ones are, I mean one can sell one's conscience if one is anti-war let's say by saying hey these are anti-war movies but you know what I like the the, the not clearly clearly not really anti-war movies as well Uh, I mean things like um, A Bridge Too Far it's kind of like an old Mm. style movie made in the 1970s um, it's a great story. It's got a fantastic ensemble cast, and it's it's just brilliant. Um, Ice Cold in Alex. It was made in the nineteen fifties, I think, or maybe nineteen sixty. It's well, you not- saw that when you were in college, right? Nineteen fifties. <laughs> no okay. shame, no shame, John. Uh, it's 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 one that I don't know. I don't know even know if you know where you could get it or where you can see it. You'd have to go to a, like a really pretty obscure video store to, to like, see Ice Cold in Alex.
0: Uh, I- and this is this is it. A- no shame. Good time
2: for a plug? This is definitely a good good time for
0: a plug. Blockbuster Video. Uh, no.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so kids, bring out, you know, some sort of piece of technology that makes you track down the past and go to Blockbuster. Uh, no, we have we have a place like that here in Seattle that I guarantee would have that movie. It's called Scarecrow Video. It has thousands and thousands of movies. They actually even say more than Netflix. It's like I the, believe. the
2: library of Congress of obscure movies.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. So look out one of those places in your in your local town. Because, I mean, we always want to transport brick and mortar as much as possible, so with something like that that is super obscure, there there's probably a place, if you live in a larger city or even a medium-sized city, that has something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, quick plug for Scarecrow Video. Yeah, those guys go. are awesome.
2: Um, but And also things like uh, the Russian film Come and See... Uh, the like nineteen thirties movie, All Quiet on the Western Front. Brilliant. I, I I love them, and I'm I'm not terribly ashamed to admit it. Um, okay. And another different angle that I took on this because I'm gonna I've got I'm gonna be, do this as quickly as I can. But um, why have we got all night? Oh no, we don't. You
0: are not leaving here until uh, we finish this list. Uh, there's
2: there's a movie uh, which also I think I men- mentioned in Crybaby's episode uh, that I really love, which I don't know anybody else who's ever said that they really liked it, despite they got pretty good. Um, you know critic reviews and that is uh, the 2011 Kenneth Lonergan movie Margaret it's got again fantastic Mm -hmm. um, ensemble cast brilliant Um, it shouldn't work it really shouldn't because A. it does have an ensemble cast and they all seem to you know want to be in there Matt Damon plays a relatively small part and Mm -hmm. you know he's not a small part player let's face it but the reason why it really shouldn't have worked is that it was filmed in uh, 2005. um and the director Kenneth Lonergan then spent I think at least four years <laughs> mm-hmm. editing it uh, which is never a good sign never a good sign you think oh it's got to be a terrible movie at that point but he was just wanted to get it so perfect mm-hmm. um, and eventually it all ended up that there was rival lawsuits between him and the financier of Fox Searchlight pictures and eventually somebody grabbed it on somehow and eventually it got released six years after it was shot in 2011 <laughs> <laughs> and yeah um, it's a brilliant movie and I don't know why um, I don't know anybody who, who actually likes it so mm-hmm. there's that one and then there's uh, a movie again which I don't think is, is, is just is just really obscure that I don't again know anybody who has ever seen it it's called Funny Dirty Little War it's uh, Funny
0: Dirty Little War Funny
2: Dirty Little War it's is it m- about the Falklands conflict no it's not oh, yeah. because that was pretty funny it was, it was funny I mean, it was dirty it was two little mm-hmm. it was, and it was a war no. <laughs> two bald men fighting over a comb right? <laughs> exactly and, yep. but no it, uh, but strangely enough it is set in Argentina uh, it's from nineteen eighty-three. Okay. It's by director Hector Oliveira. Don't know anything about him or any of the cast, but it's hmm. it's, it's a uh, it's a really touching movie. It's just like a really small-scale conflict which you know just reflects society uh it's done there, there's some slapstick humor there's a plane that dumps a bunch of uh, cow manure on 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 some other people which is you know mm-hmm. it's, it's a total slapstick sort of it moment. is a very
0: back to the future kind but, of thing, which happens in every movie <laughs> but
2: it's it's about a very serious subject and it's 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 a very tragic uh movie in the end um so i encourage people to see that which Bridges, brings me around to my final little thing about mm-hmm. this section and I know this. I'm only supposed to have three and I've got like 20 different things in this one mm-hmm. section about movie but okay here's the, probably the, the one movie which I uh, you know am a little bit more embarrassed to like than any other oh, this is, is be good. The Rock
0: Oh yes, The Rock yeah <laughs> yes. which is, um, <laughs> is so a vehicle
2: <laughs> mostly for uh, Nicholas Cage yes Um and <laughs> okay I'll tell you why Man, I love that. Just, <laughs> that That you just hit the right button because yeah but can That's I tell fun. you why I like it so much is other than it is amazing uh, other than it's well there's a lot about it that I don't like but okay. <laughs> I have to say that it has one of the best shootouts of any movie mm. I've ever seen. And you guys, I don't know if yep. you remember which section. I absolutely, it's, remind me. Okay, so it's when the the Marines are they're in they're in basically a, a, a bathroom, shower room, and there's a bunch of Marines up high and a bunch of like I think they're seals mm-hmm. down low, and it's there's a standoff. Um, they you know these these are on opposing sides at this point in time in this movie and the the tension there's a great amount of tension um it's it's increased by the fact that these guys are normally on the same side and these are not guys who would normally want to shoot at each other but they're put into a situation in which it looks like they might have to shoot at each other and so and then they do and Mm -hmm. it's a great shootout it i mean it's just one of those things it's like the the shootout in the heat i just love that shootout Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know Heat is a pretty good movie, whereas The Rock is ah. Oh. Uh,
0: that definitely fits in this category because as much as I love it, same type of, for the same type of reasoning. You know, I was a teenager when it came out. Had crazy sci-fi or crazy sci-fi, crazy action, gunfights, Sean Connery, Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it had me sold right away. So yeah, and, I, and
2: of, I also I had to love it because it was there was a, a British star in it. You
0: know, well, and Andy had to love it because, again, in nineteen was it sixty four? You spent five years in Alcatraz, <laughs> um, so you know. Yeah, but I, I
2: swam away. It's okay.
0: I would actually believe that.
2: <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's my lot.
0: I like it. Great way. Great way to wrap up your list with a rock fan favorite.
2: Well, would you like to hear my final no shame uh, November I mean, pick after John? that? Be nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, interestingly enough. Uh, my movie is it Face Off? Is a Nick Cage movie? Ooh. <laughs> okay, bacon, all right. Bacon, bacon, <laughs> bacon, bacon, <laughs> close, and it actually happens to be one of the lowest um, Rotten Tomato rating for Martin Scorsese movies. Raising Arizona?
0: No, not Raising. It, Martin
1: uh, Scorsese. So it's a seventy-one on Rotten Tomatoes. It came out in nineteen ninety-nine, and it was Bringing Out the Dead. Oh. Bring wow. out well, I like dead. that one. Yeah,
2: yeah. I so barely this is, remember it,
1: but I, it sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. This is Nick Cage in '90s New York. It's Martin Scorsese. So in New York, <laughs> but uh, this is in the height of the drug epidemic, the mm-hmm. drug crisis, and Nick Cage plays an ambulance driver along with. John Goodman, Ving Rhames, and Tom Sizemore, who's not immediately recognized, but if you saw him, you'd recognize him. He's right. in a lot of stuff. Saving Private Ryan, among others. Patricia Defenses. Arquette is in this movie. And Mark Anthony is in this movie, which is very strange. I did okay. not recognize him at all. But, uh, what? what year did this come out? 1999, Bringing Out the Dead. Mm-hmm. So he is an uh, ambulance driver working the graveyard shift, and there's been a spike in cardiac arrests
2: <laughs> what? I, I, think a one. One. <laughs> I think I a one.
1: Cardiac arrests because uh-huh. of a drug that's out on the streets called red death. But oh. it's not really about that. It's about a slow descent into madness mm-hmm. over the course of three nights. Yep. Uh, it, uh, it's Martin Scorsese pulling out all the stops. It's like he's a kid in film school again, but he's an adult, so he knows how to use them properly. <laughs> you see sped up shots. You see slowed down shots. You see overexposed white yeah, t-shirt shots. Well, there's lots of close-ups, yeah. Uh, you, there's probably the most famous shot from there
0: is <laughs> the smugness of Steve right <laughs> yeah. now. Of course there were close-ups. Like, yeah. I meant like some zoom-in <laughs> close-ups, like almost like uh, Shaun of the Dead director who do that edgar wright uh probably okay yeah. uh
1: i mean i just watched it and i remember some of those yeah those sma- okay. snap shots mm-hmm. but uh one shot that blew me away at the time is a camera mounted on probably a traffic light mm-hmm. and as the ambulance goes by it follows underneath and mm-hmm. then in another shot it follows up above so it's pointing at the sky briefly and then you see the uh ambulance upside down going down the street we talked about this in a prior episode but there's one where he films a woman uh it looks like she's walking forward but it was filmed with her walking backwards mm-hmm. so it kind of has that creepy forward look yeah and uh did she fight jaws or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but it is i don't know why this movie is not more well known or why it didn't do well in the box office it only made half of its money back it had a 32 million dollar budget and it made about 16 million in for a theater. scorsese
0: film that is crazy yeah mm-hmm.
1: absolutely um I would call this Nick Cage at his most hinged. Wow. Mm. Because he keeps it together <laughs> for about in? three-fourths of the oh, movie. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> that's a slow cool. He yeah. only goes into Rage Cage... Uh, near the end. <laughs> Why aren't I in this movie? <laughs> uh, there's a man who wants to kill himself, but he did a really bad job about it, so Nick Cage shows him how he should have done it. Oh. But right. and gives him the knife to do it, yelling at him, Do it, do it, and the guy can't do it and runs away out of the ambulance. <laughs> um, it's a great it's really a great oh, Nick moment. Cage. <laughs> yeah. So he's haunted by the ghosts of the people that he couldn't save. Uh, he's haunted by the ghost of a guy who's coded many many (laughs) Times he's in a coma in the hospital, and uh, the the voices start to come to Nick Cage, you know, saying, Kill me, kill me, and all this stuff. Um, I can't do it justice because it's beautifully shot, beautifully acted, adapted from a novel by Joe Connolly. They take lines from the book, and it really makes me want to read the book because it's incredible. It's really Mm -hmm. uh, lots of great philosophy on loss. And on uh, the methods that we use to block out trauma, of course, as a paramedic, constantly dealing dealing with overdoses and all mm-hmm. kinds of things, you would have to develop those coping mechanisms. And it's it's uh, an
2: expli- ex- it's an exploration of that. Okay. Uh, the thing is, is Steve, that the, Scorsese is one of those directors where it, it is really difficult to describe the the value of the movie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, a
1: couple lines cage says at one point uh after being asked <laughs> if it's been if it's been bad you know if this is how it normally is mm-hmm. all the crazy stuff that's going on he says it's been bad lately but it's always bad hmm. uh, Makes sense. <laughs> and then in another line he says my skills as a paramedic don't help in most cases it's enough that i show up i'm a grief mop Mm. Now,
2: good line.
0: you gotta, yeah. you gotta see it. It's it's really, really good. Okay, have you seen it? It's, again, it sounds familiar. I pulled, oh, up I have, the, yeah, yeah, I, I pulled up the IMDb page for it, and it looks really familiar, but it does not come immediately to mind that I've seen all of it and remember all of it. But I think probably over time, just seen bits and pieces.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I really enjoyed it when I saw it.
1: It's almost Alice in Wonderland like because they go to these different calls, and there's a different kind of crazy tragedy happening, in, happening at each one mm. that. Um, Reflects on the wider story and the wider themes in its own way. Okay. Bringing out the dead, and they do make a couple of Monty Python jokes.
0: Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. That was well, one way to get to me.
2: He got better. It is a dead parrot. No, he got better. <laughs> <laughs> <That was great. laughs>
0: okay. So my my last two, and again, I told the guys to come up with three over various forms of media. Uh, apparently, I'm a terrible host because I mainly research two, which are the two I talked about. So I would just do a couple quick hits of TV shows that I, I like that, again, fit right into this because I will still watch these uh, and I will only tell certain people that I still watch these or watch them and find enjoyment. The first one, 1995 TV show, New Zealand production. Uh, Sam Raimi, who was doing amazing things, Evil Dead, all of those, he produced a show, Xena Warrior Princess, mm-hmm. <laughs> that when this came out, I okay, it was the most bizarre show I had seen. And again, when we, when we talked about on this episode, the parody aspect of this and this, Sam Raimi is almost, some would say the king of parody because you would look at some of his movies like Evil Dead, and like this is a straight horror film. He still plays into the tropes and the satire of horror films. So for those of you listening who do not know what Xena Warrior Princess is, first of all, well, I was going to say shame on you, but no shame on you. Uh it is Oh man, just the loose description of the show. You can probably get everything you need from YouTube random <laughs> clips of it. Yeah. It, uh, it, take, it, it is this. She's got a glaive. Uh, technically not a glaive. A glaive mm. would be a different. <laughs> P- push those glasses on <laughs> Uh But anyway, so Xena is a warrior princess whose village was destroyed. She seeks vengeance. Uh, as the series went on, this show went on for six years. Originally, it was some Greek gods that she was fighting and befriending. And then it switched into Roman gods. Then it went into the Asian gods. Towards the end, she was fighting Christian angels and demons. This show went all over the map. It starred, of course, Lucy Lawless, uh, who this was the first exposure to her that non-New Zealanders had ever really seen. Lucy Lawless is a trained opera singer. She's a phenomenal actress in this powerhouse this is the first time we had ever seen her and this is kind of that to have your entry into the the American consciousness as this was bizarre and it was even more bizarre that it worked because this show lasted a long time it is I think on Netflix still Netflix changes stuff every month but for a while the whole series was on Netflix just go back Go back and watch a few of them. It is something where when it came on Netflix, I was like, oh man, I definitely am going to watch all of this. Uh, Did I? No. Did I skip through? Yes, because it still had that nostalgia. It still reminded me of watching it when I was a kid. Uh, But man, is it just bananas.
2: When was it? Because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago.
0: 95. 95 to 2001. So, and it just... (laughs) The the characters in this, again, they knew. They they knew when they were making it that a lot of it was satire. Uh, And again... Wait, it was satire? Well, okay, let me rephrase that. They knew while they were making it, they knew their constraints and the budget. They knew that they were not making this grand epic. They were like, this is a fun show for people of all ages.
2: Does it it come across as a little bit cheesy now?
0: A hundred percent. But even when it was on, again, Sam Raimi... You know, he he developed it. You know, it was not necessarily directed by him all the time, but he developed it. So he knew. He knew that it was cheesy, but he also knew what worked and how to make it work. Uh, but most notably, of course, it is known for Xena's crazy cry, which, uh, Steve, do right now.
1: I don't know. I haven't seen oh, what? it, actually. I haven't seen Xena. Which you <laughs> would,
0: would enter a battle, which, of course, the fight choreography in this show is... Terrible, just completely laughable. <laughs> but the main thing she would do, and uh, turn down your headphones. No, I, I will not do it. But she would go Aah! and just like start doing flips in the air off of buildings, off of walls.
2: That can was... really unsettle an enemy, <laughs>
0: right? Well, she would roll for intimidation, and she'd get a really high one. Anyway, uh, it was just it was crazy, uh, but it was it was a fun it was a fun show when it came out. It was. It is fun to go back and kind of watch it. Are you guys watching a clip right now? <laughs> no, I'm not watching her kiss Gabrielle. Okay. Yes, that t- that happened towards the end. But the other thing is, like, Bruce Campbell is in this. And Bruce Campbell, no matter what role he is in, he knows what he is doing as far as <laughs> satire. Like, yeah. he knows exactly. Uh, he played, I think, Joxer the Mighty or something. So.
2: Why did you pick out. Zena kissing Gabriel. Because that's the Gabriel. only thing I know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it was, in the lesbian <laughs> community, it was a big deal. Okay. Right? It, and it was heavily implied for a lot of the show that Zena and Gabriel had this relationship. But because of it being on network TV, they never really did much. Um, but there, it was very, very heavily implied in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So that would be one of, one of my shows. The other one is a show that for some reason is still on even though the manga ended a long time ago. So for those of you who, who have been listening, I'm a huge comic book collector. I have thousands of comic books and manga. So there's a manga that is very... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you too. <laughs> okay, so the, this is one that oh, is, is critically acclaimed, but I only talk about it around certain people. I thought this was a safe
2: space. Yeah, uh, carry on. Huh. Carry on, John.
0: So, we support you.
2: We're only laughing because we're feeling the joy yeah. that's emanating from oh, our yeah.
0: up So the I'm manga to this. can't wait. The manga and the anime have the same name. It is, of course, Naruto. Uh, this was never adapted. seen one frame. Oh, it is. It is one that again, I love. It started on Adult Swim. At least the English It started on Adult Swim. I found out that, of course, it was way behind the Japanese anime. So at the time, I found a way to acquire. Uh, the, the Japanese uh, animation of it, got totally caught up, read all of the manga, and I was in. I was so deep in. And this has hundreds of episodes in both Naruto, the original series, and then Naruto Shippuden, which is the later series. I only talk about those with certain people because it just, like, it it is rough.
1: I just think it's funny that you make fun of me for <laughs> watching nine, nine seasons of Seinfeld multiple Ugh. times.
0: <laughs> 34
1: seasons of Survivor, you know, and yet you've seen every episode of Dragon Ball Z, you've seen every
2: episode of Naruto. Yep. (laughs) What? How does that even track? I mean... Guys, um, guys, okay? No shame.
1: Okay, let me ask you this. What is the thing you've seen the most of? What, I mean, Mm. Doctor Who? I mean, something where there's a million episodes and you have slavishly watched every one of them. I think I've seen every,
0: uh, every episode of Seinfeld. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry for both of you. <laughs> I don't think you've actually seen it because it's. I, I've seen a couple episodes, but it just never enough to. It never had enough to make me want to watch all of them. Mm-hmm. So anything else that comes to mind? Uh...
2: I, I don't watch everything slavishly. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Sure, I watch, uh, I'm sure I watched every one of the original uh, Star Trek.
1: Mm-hmm. Episodes.
2: Mm-hmm. And mo- yep. Probably multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a
1: ton of movies. You see a ton of movies. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. I, d- I mean, sort of, I don't necessarily follow everything forever and ever and ever yeah. and ever and yeah.
0: ever. But back to Naruto. So Naruto, Naruto is a story tried. Naruto Uzumaki from the Hidden Leaf Village who wants to become Hokage. Uh, but again, this anime, it is like other ones. Like, there are anime as huge of a fan as I am of just anime in general. That I have not watched because there are hundreds and hundreds of episodes, and I'm like, you know, I just I'm not sure if I could do it again for some of them, like Bleach. Bleach is an anime that people love, and I've have, I've have maybe seen a couple episodes, but there are hundreds. Yeah, I, I heard you.
2: <laughs> people demand Bleach,
0: <laughs> but it just I've not gone back to watch. But Naruto, yeah, I've read all the manga and. The reason I say the show i 'm not sure why the show is still going on because <laughs> 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 sure yeah. the manga ended like three years ago, and in the anime they were still in like the final battle uh-huh. two years ago what it 's like it 's like, like the, the difference fillers.
2: between the, the English office and the american office English yeah. office. Ricky Gervais realizes that it has to end to, be, mm-hmm. to retain the high level of comedy it 's just got to stop Yep. yeah, America has a difficulty stopping a cash cow. Going, but the oh, problem is, this I is
0: this is a I Japanese don't. production. Like, don't this don't know, I'm, I'm,
2: I'm just saying, this is, there must be a, I think a parallel. Yeah, yeah
0: it, it is a parallel. They come out with a Naruto movie every couple years. Like they're doing a lot of anime. They did it with Dragon Ball Z. They still do it with Dragon Ball Z. Uh, and he is awesome because now he has you blue hair. I
2: to talk about Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> I could talk about whatever I want to talk
1: Okay, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Okay. Sell us on Naruto in
0: 30 seconds or less. Okay. Make Are it you ready? ready? okay Okay, and go all right naruto is a story of a young man whose main goals are just to be the leader of this village because he cares and loves for the village so much along the way there are people who are better than him sasuke uchiha who are better at ninjutsu all of that but he wants to to watch it the reason you have to watch it is the story of perseverance the story of dedication the story of heart and love and truth boom with 22 seconds what do you like about that, Andy?
2: Now you go and better watch <laughs> Naruto. It is on Netflix. No intention of watching this.
1: <laughs> you know what might be fun though is each of us take one of the suggestions made mm-hmm. by the others and 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 actually experience it, try it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we can report back later at a on another podcast. Uh, as long like, as I
2: don't have to watch hundreds of episodes of Naruto, you don't have to watch
0: <laughs> hundreds. <laughs> I will pick out the top ninety-nine episodes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I like the idea. Um, but again, it just those are ones that those two two TV shows, Xena and Naruto, that that same reaction that you guys had is what happens all the time. You know, when you have to justify why well, you like it, which is why I wanted to do this episode and why I think it is fun to do this type of episode because all of us, all of you listening, have had those conversations. Yeah. Be it at work, be it at home, when someone comes in, like, "What are you watching?" You are like, uh, "Nothing." You try yeah. and change it. So yeah. yeah. We're here for you,
2: John. I think it's good to to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. We we encourage (laughs) the listeners to to do the same thing.
0: Absolutely. Actually, if you want to, yeah, send send me a tweet. Tag me in it at about to review of what your kind of biggest no shame TV show, movie, or music is. I would be really interested to see what else is out there. Because again, this happens to everybody. Everybody has had to defend their media choice
2: and i mean and it's just these things are just so personal
0: mm-hmm. absolutely
1: of the three that i recommended mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of what is the one that i hope the most that people mm. watch or listen to mm-hmm. um i think i would go with fiona apple honestly uh, okay. i think it's the most surprising people forgot about her yeah, and true. she is just so talented and the music is so incredible
0: okay out of all of your recommendations which andy gave a whole <laughs> list of what what would you say is you know near the top or the top one that you would recommend that you hope somebody gives a chance to
2: um uh yeah i kind of named way too many things didn't i um <laughs> Bagpuss? I'm the curious thing? about I, you know, I, Ice Cold in Alex. What the hell is it's, that movie? It's a, oh, it's a fantastic movie. But, but I mean, yeah, it's just, that, that is just fantastic. fantastic, there's, fantastic there's, no, there's no real shame. That's my personal shame that I like war movies, okay? So, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I would say, especially if you have uh, or, or know or a kid of any sort, um, yeah, catching Bagpuss uh, okay. you know, would, would be a fun thing to do. Just Over the, the Clangers. Oh, please Ooh. don't make me do that no yeah probably bag posts okay since since it was
0: a TV show you know in the 70s BBC like you can probably find a lot of it on YouTube oh yeah so yeah and they're really short episodes so yeah my recommendation I (laughs) think I think a lot of people have seen Starship Troopers I think a lot of people have heard of it I think a lot of people have not heard of Equilibrium and so I would recommend that I mean again yeah I'm
2: willing to check it died
0: like 1.2 million dollars. I mean, I know independent, locally shot movies that made more than that on a tiny budget. So, for a huge blockbuster to do that, yeah. So I would definitely check out Equilibrium. So I think that that about wraps it up for this No Shame November episode. Uh, and then Steve, you have a couple things that you wanted to mention. I do. I'm working on a game. Currently, it's called Movie
1: Meets Movie. I'm trying to figure out what movies people know and what movies people don't. Obviously, I'm not a a good judge (laughs) of that because I came up with all these movies I (laughs) thought were obscure (laughs) and hated Mm -hmm. and people actually like them. So uh, I did a short uh, survey, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. It takes about nine minutes on average. And if you complete it, you have a chance to uh, win an Amazon gift card worth forty dollars. Forty it's not very much, but, dollars. Hey, I'm on a tight budget. It's and not it's, fifty, it's but really it's not more, more I think, Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right in that sweet spot. I should have made it forty-two. Actually, Oh, ah, there you go. Answer uh, the life and everything. So, if you are willing to go and spend nine minutes of your life answering how familiar you are, how familiar you are with certain movies, mm-hmm. just go to my Twitter page. Which is at Steveblog, no underscore or space or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Steveblog, one word, and it is the pinned tweet at the top of my Twitter page. Mm-hmm. You can also follow me on Instagram at StandInside, and you can look at my website, which has all kinds of delightful videos from around the world, at StandInsideMedia.com.
0: Excellent. And yeah, what I will do is when this episode comes out, is I will share that tweet and just kind of get it out there. Uh, because yeah take the take the quiz it it was um i took it the other day and just kind of went through and it was fun to kind of see see these movie titles and be like oh how much could i describe this movie and i was really surprised that the visit
1: which Mm -hmm. is an m night Shyamalan film Mm -hmm. from a couple years ago got a (laughs) 0.67 rating so zero means someone has never heard of it and Mm -hmm. four means they're very familiar with it Mm -hmm. uh that movie made $60 million. It netted $60 million. Uh, uh, unfortunately. No, it's actually pretty good. Uh, Have you seen The Visit? Yes. Uh, it's no. good up until... Ah,
0: uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You
2: gotta give it a
1: chance. Oh, was it
0: the M- um, if I M- give Naruto a chance... Was, was it the give... M. Night Shyamalan movie that was really good until about halfway through and then it turned into complete garbage? Like Isn't that all, all of, of them? M. Night? Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, well, it's funny you mention that because... I do have some issues with the end. It doesn't have like mm-hmm. a super crazy twist like a lot of his movies do. It has some unnecessary like, why did he make that choice? And it's this kind of, of, it's kind of icky and stuff. You're thinking of the happening, which is absolutely uh, atrocious. Okay, okay, that would be lie. Pointless, etc. The Visit is about two young kids mm-hmm. who go and visit their grandparents, and their grandparents are a little nutty after dark. Have you seen it, Andy? No. The Visit. <laughs> It's, it's worth a watch.
2: It's, it's good. Uh, are you yes. not worried, Steve, that you're skewing your survey now by having described <laughs> this? Yeah, not at all, not at all.
1: But uh, anyway, it's just oh. interesting to me that a movie that, that netted so many dollars, no one saw it. How was that even
2: possible? Somebody paid a really expensive ticket. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe so. Okay. Maybe so. Anyway. Yeah, so. So I will make sure to, to share that tweet. But other, and again, you, you, you have the chance to win 40 bucks. No bots and no motorcycles after 10 p.m. The what? (laughs) Wow. That is pretty ridiculous. Uh, Okay. So for this episode, I've been joined by the one and only Dr. Andy.
2: It's uh, a pleasure, as always. Yes. Uh,
0: And I have also been joined by this guy named Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, John.
2: It was a pleasure.
0: I look forward to next time. Excellent. Do you have anything else to, to plug? Do you have anything going on? That is it. Excellent. Uh, so I have been your host on this adventure. I have been, uh, or not, I have been, I am that guy <laughs> named John. You can follow the podcast at about to review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we always appreciate, you know, getting likes and follows. Share it with a friend. Absolutely. Like, that is the most important thing. As much as I love five-story reviews on Amazon and reviews, the biggest thing is like, hey, if you think this is funny, share it with a friend. You know, even if you just send them a tweet like, "Hey, I listened to this episode. It was pretty funny. Totally appreciate that." Start them off with the horror movie villain episode. <laughs> there might be some bias there. Uh, Andy might say, "Start off with the crybabies episode, so you see Andy's sensitive side." <laughs> um, yeah, and the there's also a new Patreon page. So if you want to pitch in a dollar and help keep the lights on in the studio, that would be awesome. It is Patreon.com/slash/AboutTreeview. There is some bonus content on there, some unaired episodes, which are really funny. So, definitely check that out. So, for this episode, for No Shame November, thank you for listening. I, again, have been your host, that guy named John. I have been Steve. Shame, shame, shame. (laughs) Right. And? Dr. Andy. Dr. Andy. We will see you guys next time.